0: This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back 19 Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. Man. <laughs> you jumped up and...
1: That's the awesome, Mason. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who
2: spins and then tries to
0: bounce it. A stiff arm. On, another one as he rides it. Keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out. But up. I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown.
2: That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And yeah,
0: this time, it's Fields.
2: Don't carry. Watch out, Justin
0: Fields. Hello, on! Columbus. On, Fifty-one yards. Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Got
2: to you know, get all my
1: all popcorn out, out here. Gotta
2: continue- oh, no, I got to continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's gonna be rated higher. I'm. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about.
0: Our apologies because her treatment ran of time is getting rescheduled soon. And for that rooming in Austin I'm Felix sure. Good tonight, and good luck. It's 9:30 Eastern Time the only time zone that matters that means it's time for the debate debate brought to you by campusdecan.com. Austin Nason, and Chris Moxley joining me on a I don't know regular version of tonight's show is this the tipping point for Dante Moore what should we make of Amarian Hampton's bell cow roll but we start with this now if you've been watching this show for any length of time uh and Chris and uh, Chris and Austin you know this about me I hate victory lap I hate victory lap not a victory lap. So I'm not going to do that tonight about my, you know, Michael Pennings Jr. Um, having the performance that he did against Oregon and now being the Heisman Trophy front runner, I'm not going to do that. Um, I actually looked at the show sheet for the very first episode of this show, and I was talking about Michael Pennings Jr. within the first 10 minutes. I'm not going to victory lap, but I am going to do a little segment I like to call reading. It's my favorite segment called reading. Some old tweets from some folks that I was viciously attacked by on Twitter uh, talking about Michael Penix Jr. Here's the first one from February 12, 2022. This is why I think the Washington job is yours to lose. Peep where Penix was last season amongst FBS quarterbacks. That's in reference to a chart posted by Stats of War. If you don't follow Stats of War, you should. That was one tweet, February 12, 2022. Uh another another the and I'm not gonna name the authors of these tweets. We'll we'll protect the innocent. Another tweet. April 21st, 2022. Responding to a tweet of mine about Michael Penix Jr., this person said, I'm sure Penix will be a great starter for three weeks. Laughing at me. And here's another one. Here's another one where I asked, Who would you rather have Michael Penix Jr. or Will Levis? Essentially, this author, this this writer says. Essentially, I'll take the guy who I'm certain on over the guy that I know is bad. And I think we know by this point that Penix is bad. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I have a thick outer shell, though. I can take it. I can take the teasing, the mocking, and the ridic- ridiculing. Uh, Chris Moxley, what do you make of Michael Penix Jr.'s performance against Oregon? And now that he's the Heisman Trophy front runner?
2: It was good. Second half was worse because he got hurt. Thought he played really well. I think he's a really good college quarterback. Period.
0: Very enthusiastic response there from Chris Moss. I, I was trying
2: to be as nice as I could, even though we had the reading of the mean tweets. I tried to be as nice as possible in my Michael Penix response because I don't want to end up. Well, with what's
0: that the well? Point. What's the just the authentic response?
2: Feel well, an authentic too. response. Congratulations! Like you got a quarterback in a Kalen DeBoer offense who is performing well. Like anyone can essentially do that. And Michael Penix, who has only performed well under Kalen DeBoer, going back to his Indiana days, still doing great. I don't think it's changed his NFL outlook at all. And we saw Dane Brugler, who is someone who is plugged in and does scouting. Doesn't scouts don't believe that Michael Penix is a day two, or a top two round pick? Like, congrats, you got a good college quarterback because he's operating in a good I, system. You don't need to congratulate me. I didn't I didn't play, but
0: Austin, uh, your reaction to... Do, do
1: we have a history of how accurate Brugler is with kind of, you know, the mid check-in stuff? Like, I'm just I, curious... With the running backs, you know, I know
2: he's very good. I, got, I, 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 I don't know. I, court, mean, I, I mean, I never thought Michael Penix was a top two-round pick either. The, dude, the dude's made of glass.
1: I'm just curious because, like, you know, at this point in the year, is he reporting what he thinks or what he hears from NFL teams? You guys are insinuating that he's saying no, that's that, from NFL no, teams. No,
0: it was, yes, from NFL teams. There was a report yeah. that he wrote on Saturday, and he was talking about that particular game and, all, and the prospects in that game. I think that, according to Bruegler, if I remember correctly, more people have the NFL has Bo Nix ahead of Michael Penix Jr., And there was a quote in there in the article where he essentially said that that the NFL does not have have him as a top two round pick. Now, I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, uh, 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 what they were on, on Will Levis at this point, but I think that's, I'm wondering like
1: Levis and Wilson and some of the, you know, like what have been the mid, you know, Malik Willis, like, you know, kind of the guys that have risen a lot or fallen a lot. I'm curious what, you know, the, the consensus has been according to him. None of those
0: guys were. We were not on the Malik Willis or Will Levis, but I will say this about Michael Penix Jr. You can say what you want about his medical history, but the things that he does are NFL throws. Those back shoulder throws where he throws it up to you know to the corner to somebody's shoulder when a defender is turned, those are NFL throws. And he does that elite
2: very, elite very velocity. Well. Elite velocity, which is something that is lacking on the majority of college quarterback tape. Like you don't see them make those crossfield throws, and Penix does it every single game. I did think the quote in the article was interesting where he said the receivers bail him out a lot more than people are maybe willing to admit. And I paid like closer attention to that on Saturday. And I understand where that's coming from. Like some are just misses where you can blame like the quarterback or the receiver and the receiver comes down with it. Like I need to go back and look a little bit more, but I understood that comment more when I like turned on the, the game and, and, and watched watch panics. But I mean, it was a great game. He's a high front runner. He's having a fantastic season. I you can't take that away from him.
0: Um he needs to be better in the intermediate game, in breaking stuff. You know, not those passes need to be more accurate. And quite frankly, I think that they would be if he had time to work on his base mechanics. Again, I don't know for the umpteenth time talking about Michael Penny's Jr.'s consistency. He's great on the stuff outside of the numbers between the hashes i think that you, like you got to have to have some bread and butter in there like you can't just be like we're just going to throw the ball outside of the numbers the whole time we're just going to rely on back shoulder uh, fades for the entirety of a game in the NFL but when you have an elite trader you can do something at an elite level that buys you time and it could buy you draft capital to develop other skills that's what i'll say about michael Pennings jr But when we started this show, you could have gotten in the 30th, 40th round of a campus to Canton supplemental draft pick because nobody was believing in a left-hander from Indiana that he was any good. The big question is going to be, what what
1: does he do without Kalen DeBoer, right? I mean, I think that's going to be the big question. He's only had success. The chart that I know that you mentioned in that tweet that you're referring to from Stats of War, it was total quarterback EPA rush and pass from the 2021 season. This was Penix's last year at Indiana before he transferred to Washington. So it was at 2021. Penix, out of 130 quarterbacks that qualified for this list, was 125th. Was down with guys like Jonah Johnson, Matt McDonald, Brady Olson, Brendan Lewis, Spencer Petrus. The closest guy that I think we would point to and say he ended up being like a good college quarterback with Kirby Curtis Rourke, who was about 30 spots ahead of him on the list so i mean i it you know that bad of a season without kalen deboer his good ones with them i don't know that deboer runs what i would call like a pro style offense quote unquote it's not like gimmicky like it's not josh heupel but i, I wouldn't call right. it pro style so i think that's gonna be the big question for him you know can we separate him from kalen deboer and what you know, the, the, the kind of mind melt those two seem to have. Cause I mean, we've seen other quarterbacks to have, you know, play, perform similarly from a statistical perspective, at least. And the NFL not really care about them coming from the board. So I think it'll be interesting to see.
2: What do you think the odds are that like you, you have to set odds as a book. What are the odds Michael Penix goes in the first two rounds of the NFL draft? Plus 250. I don't know. I'm not good with the odds making stuff. I was gonna say you, I was gonna say like plus two fifty plus three hundred is probably about right. I think you'd um, I would,
1: I think they'd be lower than that. But I would I would, put, I would personally make them, them longer. Hmm.
2: I, I think the reality of the situation, if I was making my own, it would be plus five hundred. I think that the books would have it at like plus three hundred and expect people to bet it because I think but, there's a contingent of people who think that he will go. Hey,
0: but but he kind of like Will Levis, except for Will Levis had like on a had it on a Will Levis had this Captain America persona that I think it was that persona was better than his actual skill set. Here, I think that there's a possibility for an offensive coordinator or an owner to fall in love with Michael Penix Jr., his his skill set and his game. And if the medicals check out, that's a big if. If the medicals check out, I could see him going. Between picks uh, 20 and 32, I really could. Somebody will want to get that fifth-year option for Michael Penix Jr. I think so. And, and I mean, it helps the fact that he has some elite skills, elite traits. That's something that Will Levis did not have. But we weren't consistent here saying that he, he was not going to go uh, in the first round. I want to say this, though. I don't – I'm not going to fault a quarterback or a player because they had success with a particular play caller. I'm not going to fault any of Lincoln Riley's quarterbacks for saying, "Oh, they only had success with Lincoln Riley or Steve Sarkeesian's quarterbacks or, you know, Take or or even or even somebody like um uh Brock Purdy with Kyle Shanahan. He's only playing well because he's playing with with Kyle Shanahan." Well, well it's tough. Sometimes people get in good situations and they play well in those situations. I mean, I'm not going to fault them. So
2: I'm fu- um, I'm fu- I, I agree with that if we don't see them in another situation also because we saw the Michael Penix with Kalen DeBoer and then we saw Michael Penix without Kalen DeBoer and it was it was rough like Austin just said.
1: I think the crazier thing here is the Bo Nix over him stuff. I can't yeah, get I, anywhere. I, I can't I, get anywhere close to that. Bo Nix when understand. I watch him. Ugh. We saw Sam Howe fall and we've heard some rumors from behind the scenes about maybe some other um potential like medical stuff that that he wasn't necessarily willing to get fixed in the process. But what are the things that Sam Howe, like what is what's his big weakness? You know, as soon as the play doesn't go according to plan at all, what does Sam Howe do? Kind of panic?
0: Told us to panics immediately.
1: Bo Bo-Nicks just poops his pants immediately. I'm shocked that NFL teams think that that's I don't think that's a fixable trait. I think mean, that's something it's a player is always going to have. He's got, you know, he's got one of the lowest A dots amongst, like, Power 5 starting quarterbacks in all of college football. I wrote a whole article on this a couple of weeks ago. Like, any of his underlying stuff is atrocious. I'm just shocked that teams are like, yeah, I would take bone Nix round one. That just blows my mind. I think he's, like, a fifth-round quarterback. What's he do better than Matt Corral? What's he do better than Sam Howell? What's he do better than... I don't know. I mean, I'm trying... That, that that's the kind of bucket of quarterback he's in Mitch Trubisky, I think is a similar player. Like this is not a really a, an
0: NFL quality quarterback kind of player at all. There are two locked in, in the first round in this draft It's Drake may. And it's uh It's Caleb Williams, and we're going to talk about both of those players here later on. Um, The audience for the tailgate on Saturday morning has been outstanding. We're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers before the end of the season. Go ahead and help us out there and help us with your home field purchases. Go to homefield.com. Use promo code. Is it Campus to Canton or C2C? It's Campus Campus to Canton. Canton. Campus to Canton for 15% off. Go ahead and place a big, big order. Get your favorite colleges, North Carolina, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Uh, get your 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 purchase there and use promo code campus to canton for 15% off. And I feel like there was one other thing that I need to use,
2: promote here for housekeeping. I can't remember what it is.
0: Um, anyway, okay.
2: Um, C2C move- winning edge package is available to all of our – C2C subscribers were in the Discord. That is,
0: yes. The C2C winning edge with returning production, which made it easy to make Washington my call for the play, like a dark horse for the playoff, because they were fourth in the country in returning production, at least offensively. No, I think the total team production, they were fourth in the country. So you yeah. have a veteran team, um, uh, you know, all coming back. It was very easy to make that call. And I think I've made the call here that I thought that they should be the number one team in the country. Um, and we'll see, they'll probably get to, to – Get to that point at some point we're going to do another segment here called oh. give some actionable advice it's going to be a tough one we're here in what week seven um chris do you want to start or austin austin you said that you couldn't i don't know if you when i text this suggestion to, to you guys you said that you could i'm all platitudes so
1: i'm all platitudes no actionable advice over here
0: mox why don't you start
2: does it have to be in season advice like like related to this season or can it be anything? Whatever, whatever. All right. I'd be, I viewed it as an, an open ended question. Uh, mm-hmm. I've said this on a couple of different places this off season and this season. Uh, I think people are holding on to players or the belief of what a player could be still for too long. Um, and I think we should got to just jettison some dudes at this point. And it's especially true of freshmen. But I mean, even, even like, third-year players. Like, Ja'Cory Brooks is not a thing. Like, I just, I'm sorry. Like, Ja'Cory Brooks is not getting playing tight at Alabama. Nick Saban doesn't believe that he's a thing. I don't think the NFL is going to, and there are still people who are valuing Ja'Cory Brooks. I think that that people have to be a lot quicker in moving on from uh, assets who, in my estimation, are just kind of nothing. They don't add anything to your CGC roster.
0: There we go. Austin?
1: I think my actual actionable advice is if you think that you currently in Debbie or C2C have the QB three or the QB four or whatever in this class, or a guy that you think is going to go first round in this class, I think you sell them. I think you sell them to the, you know, the worst team or whatever in your, in your league, you know, from an NFL roster perspective for a, 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 if they have an average fantasy starting quarterback on their roster, whether that's JJ McCarthy, whether that's Michael Penix, whether that's Bo Nix, whether it's Jaden Dan, people are talking about Jaden freaking Daniels this week. If somebody in your league is a believer, and you can get, you can go steal a Kyler Murray, or a Jared Goff, or a Kirk Cousins, or even like people people have sour on guys like Dak Prescott. If you can add something to them and go get one of those guys, you're basically hoping that one of those guys becomes Dak Prescott or Jared Goff. Or Kirk Cousins. That's like the best case scenario, and people don't always see it that way. I th- I think selling all those guys right now today, package them with something else that's nice. I, I you know in the long run, maybe you lose ten percent of value if that guy ends up hitting that 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 ceiling. But I re- I think in the long run, you're you're locking in more certainty. You're locking in more immediate value. I think that's an important thing. I would do this. I would try the same exercise with Caleb Williams, also for what it's worth. If you can trade him for an elite guy. But you know your results might vary
2: on that one. Caleb Williams or Trevor Lawrence?
1: I would take Trevor Lawrence.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the range you're looking
1: at. He's though. probably the last guy. Like if you're looking at that, like maybe he's what could be like seven in dynasty or whatever right now. He's probably the last guy that I would I would prefer over Caleb. But
0: yeah. I, by the way, I've never understood the and I, I think I've we've said this here before. I've never understood the Patrick Mahomes comparisons for Caleb Williams. To, I mean, he's he's Kyler.
2: We've said this before. He's Kyler Murray which is good, which is well, really good. I think good. he's more more Mahomes than he is Murray. Hmm. Murray's okay. a way more dynamic, like not to say Caleb Williams isn't a dynamic rusher, but Kyler he's not as is like athletic as Kyler. on a different tier. He's like Mighty Mouse, I, yeah. I, I think Caleb Williams does not profile that differently to Patrick Mahomes in terms of play style. He's just like a lot smaller. And like that That's changes it. your game. And I think he's a little more wild like he operates worse in the structure than Mahomes does but i think the stuff he that's does a, that's the a big one that is, is I that's think
1: a big mahomes, distinction the difference i think is that mahomes i think when you think he's wild he knows what he's doing they talk about that play when he was sitting his rookie year and they were showing that tape and they said something it, it was a story i think in the athletic like his first year and and the coach was like where would you go with this patrick and he's like Oh, I would have thrown like the deep, like the deep post because the safety was actually flat-footed, and it's like a sixty-five yard throw. And the offensive coordinator was like, "What? What the? What the hell are you talking about?" And he went back back and looked at it, and he was like, "Sure enough, safety's flat-footed. That receiver actually has leverage, and he's open on a sixty-five yard post." And that's kind of what like Mahomes when he's freestyling is doing. Whereas I really feel like sometimes, and this can. He can grow in this area, but I think Caleb Williams is kind of guessing sometimes because we saw him get caught a couple times this weekend where I think he was guessing where his guy was going to be and where the defender was, and he didn't know. And that's really what kind of separates the two. And that's not saying that Caleb Williams can't improve on that, but I'd never really have gotten the impression, at least in the NFL, that Mahomes has ever been kind of guessing when he's freestyling. Like it's like
2: as gonna... I guess,
1: where like you have like yeah. the the base level like musical knowledge, and then you can riff off of that. I think Caleb is, Caleb Williams is missing some of that.
2: Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, is was Patrick Mahomes, and I don't, I I really was not evaluating players at the time in coming out of Texas Tech. Was Patrick Mahomes refined in the way he is now? Of course, he he, he was not, but like to what yeah. level was he versus where Caleb Williams is now? Because I think Caleb Williams can certainly improve on that. It's just. Like comparing him to possibly the greatest quarterback of all time, as we sit here, is quite a tall ask for him.
0: My, I guess we might as well have this conversation right now because we we are going to talk about. We were planning on talking about Caleb Williams later on. Is the uh, dynamic ability that we see him to see from him to avoid pressure and all of that in the backfield? I, I question whether or not he's going to be able to do the same thing to the same extent. In the NFL, because if if you all remember correctly, uh, Bryce Young was like the same way and we don't really see Bryce Young running away from defensive ends the same way he did uh, at Alabama. Like these guys, you can have a defensive tackle be just as fast as you. And I don't know that Caleb Williams is as twitchy or explosive um, from an athletic athleticism perspective as Bryce Young. So it's just one thing to keep in mind. Now, I think Bryce Young operated within structure. You know, much more. All I'll say is consistently. I don't know if he did it better. He did it more consistently than Caleb Williams. So I, that is a concern. All of that being said, there's nothing that anybody's going to say, or there's nothing that any that anything that Caleb Williams is going to do between now and when the first pick is called in the NFL draft that would lead me to believe that someone else should be the first pick, either in the NFL draft or in Dynasty rookie drafts. As you're playing that format, he's going to be he's going to be the number one. Does anybody have a different take on that?
2: Catastrophic injury aside, no.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or we find out he's a serial killer. Yeah, I think those are the only two things that would <laughs> would ruin that for. Him. Like no a known serial killer,
2: or like he could hide it and the team discovers it and buries it.
1: That would be such a fun, a fun thing. Like you know, what I mean, like that. Like what is an NFL team? How does an NFL team figure it out that no one else? What if knows? Tom, What if
2: and Tom what do they Brady do? during the middle of his Patriots run? was found to be a serial killer Would the Patriots have told on him. Yes or no.
0: No, they they felt like they
2: could keep it. The
0: Patriots. No, the Patriots Patriots are a
2: wrong example. But I mean, like in general, I think NFL teams would, would keep it under. I mean, a lot of stuff gets covered up in college football. That is pretty heinous. I would, I would say like there's, I mean, look at the Baylor scandal, right? (laughs) But I mean, I, I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm just asking questions.
0: Uh, here's I have two pieces of actionable advice, and it's I laughed when Chris gave his because I feel like mine is kind of the opposite, but not really the opposite. Chris was saying don't hold on to play players who haven't performed. I would say if you are making trades right now, I would get a throw-in for some of these quarterbacks who we expect to enter the transfer portal. Devin Brown, Ty Simpson, Malik Murphy, those types of guys. If, you can, if you're trading a bigger asset and you're like, oh, I'll balance this out – I would want to add some of those guys to my quarterback stash because, it's, first of all, I mean, quarterback—the quarterback, quarterback position—getting those guys to the NFL and them being good is really, really hard in C two C. So, might as well—you might as well get some dart throws at that position. And I still think all of these guys are really, really talented. Taylor Green is another one. I think that he's going to enter the transfer portal after this year. Now he's probably just a CFF asset, but um, but those types of guys who. Maybe they're at the school for a year or two, and we're not seeing them. They didn't get to start, like Devin Brown hasn't gotten the starting job. Malik Murphy, Malik Murphy, I think, is going to enter the transfer portal because I think Quinn Yours is coming back. So um, guys like that I would add to trades to balance them out. And then the, the, there the, here's the other piece. There are some players that I do not think should be on the waiver wire. Now, I know that there are limited waivers, but to the extent you have some claims left, a couple of these guys should not be on the waiver wire. Brady, Brady Cook in Missouri, Kevin Concepcion at NC State, Eric Singleton at Georgia Tech, Arliss Boardingham at Florida. Arliss Boardingham, I think when we get to next year, he's going to be a top five tight end for all of us, I think so. So um, if you have claims left, those are some guys that I would try to roster. Austin, any reaction to that or some guys that you would add to that list that you think? I saw a little twinge, so I'm just trying to see if... Oh, I, you game. said Arliss Bordingham, top five tight end. I, I, I'm At not
1: next, sure next I can season? quite get there, but... Jeheem Bell, kind of a comp for him?
0: I mean, we'll have to figure He's out bigger than who his going to be. Gene Bell's, like, Bell's like 220. I think Arliss Boardingham's like 240.
1: I'm not sure I believe Bordingham's 240, but I I think he is a little bit taller, too. And Boardingham was a Bell guy that I highlighted multiple times last year as my favorite kind of, like, you know, not top elite tight end prospect in the class, cut a lot of them this offseason just because I needed like, you know, actual points at the position instead of a guy that I thought was just going to sit there. I'm happy to see him playing. I don't know what Florida's quarterback situation is going to be like next year either, but he's
2: oh, listed. Six, three, was two, tight end uh, too. He's listed at I one,
1: mean,
2: Chris, six, three, two, 40.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, that's so
1: fine. if you're looking that'll, for the next boarding, hit, by the way, Oregon brought in a freshman this year named Kenyon Sadiq, who plays very similarly to boarding. So if you're in a league that has like unlimited waivers and you want to find next year's Arliss Boardingham, go get Kenyon Sadiq. I think it's, they're almost like mirror images of each other.
2: Unless you're in a league with me and I probably have him.
1: There we go. Well, you roster about 12 tight ends on a very roster.
0: Got to do it. Not surprising. Not surprising. All right. Uh, some player conversations whose values might be tipping just a little bit, both in good ways and bad bad ways. Um, Dante Moore. <laughs> so, uh, Austin, you, Austin, you mentioned uh, on Campus Life today that we were having this proxy war, liking each other's bad tweets. One of the tweets that That's, you liked. That is what was I, happening, right? Well, well, first of all, I was just going back and being an ass about Michael Pennings Jr. <laughs> I was not – I was not just generally liking bad tweets of yours. I was going specifically to Michael Penny's Jr. tweets. But one of the tweets of mine that you liked <laughs> was something I said earlier this year that Dante Moore should have been the number one pick in all freshman drafts. Yeah. You disagree with. Do you? I mean, did you like that tweet because you disagree with it now?
1: Yeah. I just dis- I've always disagreed with it. It wasn't my QB one.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well. Uh, so he, I don't have the stats in front of me. He threw one touchdown, three interceptions against uh, Oregon State uh, this week or last week. Uh, Chris, do you think that there's any reason to be concerned? I was, I was concerned at first because I thought Colin Schlee, who completed a pass in this game, he got like a play or two. I was concerned that mm, is Chip Kelly thinking about making a switch here? I don't know. Are you oh. concerned about? Are you concerned at all about Dante Moore?
2: Yeah, I'm concerned about Dante Moore. This dude's throwing a pick in three, a pick six in three straight games. He just look, he just looks not super confident. I actually thought he played better than his stats indicated in the, uh, was that the Utah game, Washington State? State? Thinking of,
0: or the Washington State game? Washington. Yeah, I thought he was was better than his stats in
1: that
2: one. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it was Washington State game. Um. But I, I mean, he's he's struggled at times this year. I is he currently the best quarterback on that roster? Are we sure? Yes. Just Like I don't know. Yes. I, he just doesn't look confident enough, and he's making some questionable decisions. And like he had three first half picks this week. I don't know. I haven't been as impressed as I thought I would Zero
0: be. Zero second half. That's a three hundred percent improvement.
2: Oh, yes, of course. He got half benched. Well, no, he didn't get benched, but they were rotating quarterbacks at a, for a minute or two.
0: Are you concerned, Austin, about the number of interceptions? Yeah, he, ha- he has 10 touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions on the season. Are you concerned?
1: Not really. I mean, not every freshman is going to be... You know Trevor Lawrence essentially, who stepped in and led uh, you know a national championship contending team from pretty much day one. But I do think it why I went back and liked that tweet is because I think it highlighted for me why I just don't, especially for freshmen, tend to take too many like large scale takeaways until the end of the season where we have the full set of games. There are a handful of guys this year that like I have. Made big changes on Tyler Brown at Clemson, for instance, because I wasn't even like really like I, I I had a I had a report on him that was super short. I wasn't I didn't really care for him at all. So he's a guy that I've come around on. There's been, you know, one or two others. And obviously guys like, you know, Dickie, who I just, you know, isn't playing at all. Like I, I've I kind of dropped some of those guys. But my opinion on on Dante Moore, I, I still think he's probably my second favorite quarterback in the class. Still really, really liked him. I'm not that worried about the interceptions. I'd rather get him out of the way as a freshman and learn. But I do think really the thing that's going to be really interesting for him is that I think his lack of willingness to be mobile is a bit of an issue for him at this stage until he, you know, gets more reps and kind of figures out the pocket passing thing a little bit more. He has the athleticism to, I don't, I don't expect him to run for a hundred yards every week. He's not zion Chris, you know, he's not one of, but I, you know, he is athletic enough to pick up 30 to 50 yards in the ground every week if he wanted to. And I bet Chip Kelly would freaking love for him to do it, but he's not willing to. He gets kind of rooted to his spot at times. He does not navigate the pocket amazingly well at this point in time. And I think that's where a lot of the, the issues are coming from. That interception, that pick 63 against Washington State, he dropped back. And all he had to do was take two steps up in the pocket. Guy jumps up with his arms way outstretched over his head flies right by you and you can complete whatever pass you were you were looking for at that stage instead he just stands there doesn't move at all panics and just rips it into that guy's arms lucky catch but i mean it, it's it, it's it's a concern right now we'll see if he figures it out or not but that's why i, I want to I, I'm, I'm giving him more time but there are you know it, he's not i don't think he's a surefire guy i don't think there really is a, a surefire quarterback at this juncture in this class
0: he the this is a guy who wants to get the ball out of his hands as soon as his back foot hits. And if those windows aren't there immediately, you have to be able to move uh, a little bit more or your offensive line has to be like so outstanding that you can just stand there. Kind of like, I mean, to be honest, Jared Goff right now is playing that way and Michael Penix Jr. has all day to throw. My, con- my concern would be, I don't know if UCLA is the type of school that is going to attract the level of talent that would be necessary to develop Dante Moore in the next three years. I don't even know if you can count on a freshman. It would have to be like some transfer portal guys. Now I know they got J. Michael Sturtevant this year, but you know, if you are Jalen Polk, you know, would you transfer to uh, UCLA? I'm trying to think of another like third wide receiver somewhere around the country. You know, would you transfer to UCLA? No. If you had the opportunity to transfer, you'd probably go to USC or Texas or, you know, one of these schools that have a more prolific prolific offense. Like, I don't know that UCLA is ever going to be a destination for high-level offensive line talent or high-level offensive skill position talent. So that's that's a little bit of a concern for me. That being said, I called Dante Moore – I called him a game manager in the freshman guide. I meant that in like a positive way. Like I think he's a player that can uh, elevate the talent around him, but he's going to have to, because I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot there. So I don't know.
1: You hope he turns into like a CJ Stroud kind of guy, right? Yeah. Who's been yeah, fine in the NFL. He's been, you know, he's been good, he's pretty good. Yeah, I'm not sure that he's a guy that's like going to, you know, lift a bad offense. I mean, he kind of is right now, but like, you know, over the course of his
0: career. But And I think Dante Moore could be uh, that same kind of player. Um, Someone who is lifting their play here in their second year is uh, Amari Hampton, the player of the year in the state of North Carolina, what, in 20, 21? 2021? Um, this was a murky backfield coming into the season because you had... George Petaway there. British Book Brooks was that was back. And Mac Brown couldn't help talk about British Brooks all the time and him being back. And then you had uh Amarian Hampton there. I'm thinking I'm, like Caleb Hood. Is Caleb Hood still there at North Carolina? There was a lot of guys in this backfield. Uh in the last couple of games, actually this entire season, he had 24 carries last week against uh, Miami before that, 15, 18, 13. He had 26 against App State. He had 16 against South Carolina. I think I called him. I said, he's going to be the Javante Williams. But John, Javante Williams split time with Michael Carter. Um, amari Hampton is not splitting time. He is the guy. Now, <laughs> we can talk about running back evaluations. I liked him because that's the type of – I like that type of profile. Like, speed is not a big deal for me at the running back position. It's just not. It's more like burst, acceleration, and I think that he's fine in those two categories for his size. Austin, has your evaluation on Omari and Hampton changed? Now that he's, I mean, he's clearly Drake Mays, number one running back, and he's catching the ball too.
1: Not a ton, because I still kind of feel like him and Audric Estime belong in the same bucket together, where I'm just not sure it's like a sustainable uh, NFL skill set in terms of like owning a backfield for a, a long period of time. I mean, we've seen... We've certainly seen worse running backs, mean you know, hold a backfield for a season. I think he definitely falls into that bucket of of guy that can can do that if he's asked to. I had to my guy him this year in the freaking Debbie guide, and I don't even love the guy because our team freaking hated Amari and Hampton. I had to my guy him just to bump him up to like fifty or forty five or something like that. That's the highest I could get him. I do think he was a little undervalued coming into the season. I wasn't buying him, so it's not like I was. You know, even though I was higher than our group, I, I wasn't going out to get him. Um, I, I think that's a pretty good range for him still. You know, I think if you get him in the right situation, he owns a backfield for a year, or eighteen months, something like that in the NFL. But I don't think long term, I'd feel comfortable projecting that at this stage.
0: I, I mean, for what it's worth, he, compared him to Audric Estime, Mel Kiper has Audric Estime as his number one running back. So I mean, that's yeah, not he has a, him
1: as a first round prospect, which is just like
0: well, he has him as a first round prospect. There's not going to be a first round running back, and I I can't believe people get paid to do the, the Will Levis between Will Levis. You're telling me he has Audric Estime as a first round prospect? Uh Anyway, I I disagree with you on the one year eighteen months thing for Audric Estime. I think that he could be the one B one A of a committee for you know for several years. He has the size. He because he doesn't rely on speed, like he could have a game that's. I, I, uh, well rounded. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I do like 220 pound players who can move well for their size, who have some lateral agility, who just, if they broke away, they're probably going to get caught from behind. I, I just don't, I don't care about that stuff. Myan Williams, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, Amari and Hampton. I can think of other guys. Like, I like, I like that profile of player because like, you got to, like, coaches are conservative they they there's still a little piece of even in like the innovators there's still a piece of them that wants to turn their ball turn around and put it into a running back's hands 30 times a game there's still a little piece of that in every single head coach uh in the nfl every single play caller and when you are that size of a player you can handle volume so i'm i i have amari hampton in a lot of places i'm keeping him i'm glad i do chris moxley do you have any opinion on amari and hampton there
2: i'm kind of with austin i don't think he's anything like Super special. I think you as a running back get a lot of uh benefit from playing with elite quarterback like Drake May. Like you're the way the defense plays you changes a lot. And I know that Chip Lindsay wants to run the ball a little bit more than you know, Phil Longo did in the past, but he's fine. He's good. I mean he's a good he's a good player. I, I but I don't know that I've changed my NFL evaluation of him.
0: He only has 10 receptions on the season, but there are highlights from Omarion Hampton's high school tape where he is catching the ball like 50, 60 yards. Well, not 60 yards, like 50 yards down the field over his shoulder, stiff arming a guy, and then running for a touchdown. It reminds me somewhat of Aaron Jones' uh, college tape at UTEP. You saw that, You saw, but you saw him kind of mossing players uh, down the field, which is just weird to see from a running back out of the backfield. So if you have Amari and Hampton, I would definitely hold. Or, I mean, are you mean, might be able to. Are they better prospects than like A.J. Dillon was? I I was I think he's a better prospect than AJ Dillon. I do. I never thought I thought AJ Dillon was just a straightforward guy. I don't think that either. Myon Williams is. I don't think that um, uh Hampton is purely a north south runner. Not like Javante Williams. Javante Williams has some wiggle to his game. Also, he's not just a hammer just gonna run into the back of his lineman. He has some wiggle also. I think
2: Javante's more athletic than Hampton is by,
0: I agree with you. A good I amount. agree with you, but I was comparing, I was comparing Javante Williams to AJ Dillon and those differences. So
1: fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. We sadly don't have a uh, burst sc- or like an, a- a- an agility score for uh, a Marion Hampton in our athletic database. I was just looking real quick to see, we have everything else for him, but we don't have same for estimate
0: sadly. <laughs> um, but,
2: and I only estimate the talk- athlete either, but here nor there.
0: We can stay on that same team and talk about Devontae Walker. Um, I We knew that this was there, but to have a game against Miami, which was you know on a good day of college football, I mean, to have that type of performance, six receptions, 132 yards, three touchdowns, I always thought he was in the conversation to be a first-round pick at the wide receiver position. Christian Watson, you know, has my, been my comp for him. He's going to uh, uh, – Devontae Walker is going to do this at a higher level of competition. Austin, do you think that that's kind of his trajectory? I mean, it, obviously if he keeps playing like this, that's that's obvious that he would have that potential outcome. But did you think beforehand, before this performance, that that was in, within his range of outcomes?
1: yeah, second round, I think is where we kind of thought the the ceiling would be at least like perception wise from the NFL. And I do think it would it would be interesting to see him come out like last year because it was such a small from like a stature perspective running back class or uh, wide receiver class and he's I mean, six two, six three somewhere in there, 200 pounds big size speed guy. and I think he's unfortunate because this year we kind of have a bunch of those guys. and I don't know that anyone's necessarily the size adjusted athlete that he is. But I think the NFL has already decided, wrong or not, I, they 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 would probably prefer Marvin Harrison Jr. They probably decided they prefer Romeo Dunze. They probably decided they already prefer Keon Coleman. I don't know how many six three wide receivers are going to go in the first round. That's not really where the NFL has been headed. And you can say he plays, he can play a little smaller than that if he needs to. And I think that's probably true in terms of he can play like a 5'11", 195 guy at times, and then he can play like a six two six three guy at others. Um, but I, I think, I think second round is going to be his absolute ceiling this year. But I think a team is going to be very happy to get him there. It's just such a deep wide receiver class this year, which I don't know if we were necessarily saying. I think pretty much all of the, you know, every class you get like you know, a handful of coin flip guys that could go either way going into the year. And I think all the guys this year have landed on the good side of the coin. Like,
0: you know, do, Coleman, do you think he Walker. could be a sub, a sub four, the four guy? Cause if he runs, if he goes yeah. and runs a four, three, I just, I, I, there's going to be a lot of wide re- – this is a good wide receiver class. He, If he goes and runs a 4-3, I think that he's going, to, he's going to go in the first round. He's going to go in the first round. I do. Could see it. Uh, and I never really moved him out. I, I think I had him around like 15. But I know I had him in my top 15 all year. I never really moved him.
2: Um, I think, I, I I think everyone was- held him constant yeah. except – Not calling. I, OK, I was not going to name names for what it's I'm worth.
1: happy to name names because I call and I are, are not speaking right now because he wouldn't do a money where his mouth is trade today with me today. I offered him Brandon Innes in a league and all of a sudden, no, it was the, the price was too high to pay for Brandon oh. Innes. So uh,
0: he's on my shit list. Uh, Devontae Walker will be hard to trade for. Uh, Right now, he's I mean he's 22 years old. I don't know how old he will be at the beginning of next of next year. I thought there were two potential outcomes with him. One, he enters the NFL draft if not playing this year and is taken like on day three somewhere, or maybe an undrafted free free agent. Or he comes back and he's a super old prospect and like tears it up with you know uh, Connor Harrell, Connor Harrell at the helm, you know, uh, and then enters the draft and probably lands in the same spot on day three. So, um, there we I go. I dropped him about
1: it, 10 spots when he was ruled ineligible, finally. Yeah. Cause I thought I those were the two outcomes. I didn't think, yeah, at the end that the NCAA would go back in the middle of the season and say, actually, you can play. So, as <laughs> soon as they said it, I bumped him back up. But I mean, right. it's, it, I mean
0: no, it's, I never, I never moved him. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I got, I got to tell you guys something after the show. Um, Brandon Innis, Noah Rogers, Noah Rogers. Zero snaps on the season, Mox. Did you put that snap stat there?
2: Yeah, I. He doesn't that's have a true. PFF grade, which I assume means he hasn't no, played a single not snap. True. He played
1: like two snaps last week or something. No, that's...
2: are you sure? I didn't see him have any snaps. Well, whatever. I'm pretty sure he has played limited snaps.
0: We knew that somebody in that class was going to be a year one zero. Big red circle around Noah Rogers. Brandon Ennis seems to be headed. For year one zero stats also, but I know he had the big touchdown pass or touchdown catch uh, last week against what Purdue and Purdue? Who did they put, play? Purdue or yeah, Purdue. Um, Austin, you talked a little bit about this on campus life. What people were very very high on this guy. I mean, he's going to be the next Chris Olave. What are you doing with Brandon Innes?
1: Um real quick noah rogers played three snaps this week and he has played he played five snaps in week three and three snaps week one so he's played 11 snaps total
2: so apologies to Noah rogers for his 11 snaps
1: yeah um i think with Innis, i actually think the argument that colin made when we discussed this the other day was like not a not a bad argument i think it's it's the the logical counterpoint i think the my my stance was that you sell them today Because if somebody was kind of sitting there on the fence saying, I think this guy's going to be a zero. And now they see that he's got 60 yards and a touchdown on the year. Like now he's only 40 yards away from hundred yards. You know, that that's the easiest threshold for him to hit. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to get there now. Now I'm buying, but I think the big problem is that he only played six snaps in this game. And I think that's actually the more telling item in this whole thing is that, you know, he's, it's not like he played 18 snaps. You know, if he had done that, this week and gone out and caught a 60 yard bomb. I would have said, you know, odds are get three more games of him playing 18 snaps this year. Yeah. He probably gets there. I don't think he gets there this year on the pace that he's currently at. I do think it's an interesting discussion because we you know, Ohio state after this year loses Marvin Harrison, Jr. And Emeka Guka. The only returning guys with experience are going to be Julian Fleming. If he comes back, he might leave. Finally, Jaden Ballard, and Carnell Tate, and who hasn't been playing a ton of snaps either. None of them can play the slots, so and maybe Brandon Ennis plays the slot next year just by default because they don't have another guy, but I I mean, I think it's just more likely that he's not as good as we thought he was. That He's going to get pushed for playing time. It's a stacked room. They're always going to bring in guys next year. I, I think he's a sell right now. I think you can get basically your original buy-in on him, essentially, in value.
2: You're not getting a first for him, and he was going late first or early second. Do you think He's going early that? second.
1: I offered. A, I offered to sell him for a late second today. And, you know,
0: is he a little mm. fluffy? Is he uh, just slightly? Does he look appear fluffy to you? He he does,
1: which actually is really weird to me because he wasn't at all in high school, so the he did look a little. Trevor Etienne.
0: uh Since it was mentioned in the chat. Um, Noah, Noah Green. Noah, mention your the name of you and uh your podcast so I can mention it here. You, you and Todd's podcast. If you could or Debbie Djens. Debbie Djens, check out Debbie Djens. Um he mentioned Noah Green here in the chat. Or not he mentioned Caden Feagan, excuse me, here in the chat, who's been getting some increased playing time with Reggie Love being injured. Um Mox, where do you have or do you have Caden Feagan? And if so, where?
2: Um he he's fine. I was never as high as our recruiting team was on him. Um, I don't have as many running back ranks, so I doubt that he's ranked for me, I would have to look. But I don't know. I like I actually stay away from these big bodied running backs for the most part. Like I know six, six, that, for for those who
0: don't know, 6'3250.
2: Yeah, like that's not a super appealing archetype for me because I do, I think that people will say Oh, he's athletic for his size, but that doesn't like necessarily mean that he's athletic. And I always find that like trips me up. I'm like, okay, yeah, but like just because he's athletic for a guy who's 250 does not make him an athlete. And I don't necessarily think that like separates him. So vegan's fine uh, for me. I just, I don't know. He he looked better last week than he did two weeks ago, where he kind of fell flat on his face.
0: Austin, any? Concord thoughts about Caden Feegan. Did Austin freeze?
1: Oh, my back. Sorry. I don't know what happened. I think you're good. I'm back. Yeah, you're back. back. I think, right. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I haven't really moved to Feegan at all. Um, we had him, what, tier two of our running backs in the guide. Um I think he needs to lose some weight. I don't think it's really sustainable to play at two hundred and fifty in the NFL at running back anymore nowadays. Um, but if he does that, I mean, he is a ninety seventh percentile athlete or something. So I mean, I'm yeah, Derrick
0: gonna... Henry is in his com- in his comps, and uh, so, I mean, but there there aren't a lot of 6, 3, 250 players to compare to compare him to. So I was concerned about his physicality coming out of Illinois. So he played his senior season; he played quarterback. He played, you know, all safety, corner on defense and all this. But he never – if you're 240 pounds in high school, I want to see kids being put in the hospital, really, when you run (laughs) through them. And he was never – and he never ran that way. So I was concerned about his physicality. I still kind of am. Like I want – when you're that big, I want you to – I want defensive backs to be scared to tackle you. And uh, he just didn't run that way. So, but he is in Brett Bielema's system. He's going to get a lot of volume. And uh, look, he's he's playing well as a true freshman. So did uh, McRae. Josh McCray played well as a freshman also. And we haven't really heard from him since. Now, he didn't have the athletic. Josh McCray obviously didn't have the athletic profile or the recruiting profile. Uh, Caden Vegan was a four-star athlete. A four-star athlete. So. Was he
2: really?
1: He was on oh, the yeah. fringe, yeah. Oh,
0: oh yeah. wow. He was a four-star athlete. Um. I learned. let's see one one more here from noah uh in the chat he's asking us to compare tez walker and keon coleman keon coleman's what a year younger a different style of player um, two years younger
1: yeah i think he's
2: at least
0: two, two years, years younger.
2: younger i think so
0: well i guess this is yeah two years younger because this is tez walker's fifth year I've removed from high school it's and uh, it's it's keon coleman's third. Third, so yeah, I mean they're different players. Keon Coleman doesn't have the deep speed that Tez Walker does. He's not a field stretcher. Now he can go jump over you, um, and then stiff arm you to the ground after he catches the ball. But they're really different players. They they they're different types of X's. I still think they're both X's. I don't think that um, Tez Walker is go- or excuse me, Keon Coleman. I don't think that you're going to put him on like the flanker side of the field where you would have. I think if a flanker is, you know, somebody's going to stretch the field. I don't think I think Keon Coleman is going to stay on the X or may, might play big slot. I think Tez Walker can play all three wide receiver positions. So he has a little bit more versatility. Keon Coleman has more physicality to, to his game. Tez Walker has more speed to his game, more explosiveness. That's how I would compare them.
2: I actually don't think they're very similar players. Yeah. Um right. I, really, I really at all. Uh Tez Walker wins with athleticism. Keon Coleman wins at the catch point. And Keon Coleman wins at the catch point, probably better than any wide receiver in this class.
0: And after, and after the catch, with like with physicality after the catch.
2: It, physicality after the catch, yeah, that, that's fair. Um, I don't think Keon Coleman is like some great athlete. Like I know he's a two sport athlete, but I also think that doesn't think that. I don't think that makes him a great athlete. I think he's good. Tez Walker is potentially a special athlete at his size. If
0: Keon, I would not be surprised if Keon Coleman goes to the combine and runs like a four six or something like that. I don't think he's still going to be fine, or like four four five five something like that, or a low four six. That would not surprise me at all. So,
2: and it doesn't really matter for his archetype anyway. I mean, you're not looking at a speed guy as for, for Keon Coleman to succeed in the NFL. Like he doesn't have to be fast. Right. I agree with that.
0: All right. Anything else? I
1: might be crazy, but I think Coleman's a possession receiver in the NFL. Like, just a straight-up possession guy in the NFL. And that's a very – like, I love possession receivers. It's kind of the guys that I seek out. But I think that's his role. Mike was talking last night. We were talking about – I think PFF has uh, Coleman. He's like 5 for 17 on contested catches this year. And Mike said, you know, is that concerning? And I said, well, not really because I actually don't think he's a contested catch guy. I think Jordan Travis is kind of – forced him into some of those situations because that's Jordan Travis's game. Like on that absurd catch that probably was counted as a contested catch this weekend where he went up with the one hand and it was an awful throw. He's wide open. If he just hits him like in the numbers, like it's like, he's probably to the house. Um, So like, I, I don't think he's a real contested catch guy. And I think this offense has kind of turned him into one, but I do think like, I think when he goes to, well, he won't go to the senior bowl Crap. I guess he won't get another chance to. Leave. And I would like to see him at like one of those All Star games. I think he would be the guy that just is toasting DBs all day.
2: Do you think he's a high end uh, route runner or skill? Like those are his skills. Not and it's really, just so hard but, to yeah. like profile him if you don't think that he's going to be a contested catch guy. Which I under which I get. Like I understand exactly where you're coming from because I saw the same throw and I was like, hmm, you probably should have just hit him.
1: How about how about this uh, for a comp? Everyone everyone likes Brandon Marshall, and I don't hate that. He's a little more Brandon Lloyd to me than Brandon Marshall in terms of like he can make the absurd catch if you want to, and maybe he's never leading a wide receiver room because that's just not quite the level of skill set that he has. But I think he can be a really good you know one B or 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 two in an offense. I
0: don't I don't know I don't know. I I, I don't know that. Like who's going to be a hundred catch, twelve hundred yard receiver in this class? Potentially Marvin Harrison Jr. After that, I think that you know, I think that Keon Coleman will be very good. Is he somebody that Jalen Ramsey would be afraid to line up across? No, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's fair. All right. that's it. I think that's it for us for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Curb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Austin Ice and Chris Moxley. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.